Today on Hardwired. The revelation was delivered to bring them comfort and assurance that God was in control. I want you to keep that in mind because the church was in dire straits. Many Christians were wondering, where's God? Why is he letting this happen to us? Why doesn't he intervene? Where's the sovereign God? Where's his help? And so part of the reason for the revelation was to let the Christians know that God was still in control. You are listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. Thanks for allowing us to share this time with you. It's our favorite time of the day where we get to hang out together and hear about how the truth of God's Word can make a huge difference as it's hardwired into your life, your relationships, and your future. You may be stuck in traffic or maybe even stuck in life. Either way, today's message is going to help you get on the right track as you learn how much God loves you right where you are. And if for any reason you have to break away before the end of the program, you can always catch it at our website, hardwired.org. That's hardwired.org. So let's go ahead and get right into today's message. Here's Pastor Jeff to set it up for us. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this edition of Hardwired. Thank you so much for joining us. Well, today we begin an exciting brand new series that I'm calling A New World is Coming, and we're going to go through the book of Revelation. And I know that excites you like it does me because this book is so relevant to our time today. And we're going to see just how relevant as the days go by and we go through this entire last book of the Bible, the Revelation. And today we're going to begin with the glorified Messiah because that's what the book of Revelation introduces us to, Jesus as the resurrected Son of God. This is such a great word. I want you to grab your Bible, something to write with, get ready to take some notes, and let's start this brand new series through the book of Revelation with a bang. The glorified Messiah. Let's go. Now, I'm going to give you a little bit of an introduction And uh, we're gonna move along in this book at a pretty good pace, probably a little quicker than I've ever done it. But we're not gonna dilute it or water it down or lose the substance of it at all because we wanna extract everything we can out of this book. Now, the incredible book of Revelation, as you know, came to the beloved disciple, John. In his older years, the aged apostle had been banished to a lonely island called Patmos, because he was witnessing about Jesus. So they took this old man and they banished him to a really rough geographical location. Patmos was located in the Aegean Sea around 60 miles southwest of Ephesus. So keep that in mind, 60 miles is not far away from Patmos to Ephesus, all right? And 100 miles east of Athens. So you've got this old apostle. He's the only survivor He is the survivor of all the disciples, all the apostles. The rest of them have been martyred. And he's watched all of his friends, all of his close cohorts be martyred, killed, murdered for the testimony of Christ. And he alone has survived by the will of God. Pappas was a tiny island, get this, about 10 miles long and six miles wide. I'm bored already, right? That's not even good enough for a bike ride. 10 miles long, six miles wide, barren of trees and very rocky. So there was nothing, this was no vacation resort. This was not a place where you wanted to spend much time. Little teeny little rock 
in the middle of the sea. Now, because of John's connection to it, just for the record, Patmos today is a destination for Christian pilgrimage. I would love to see it myself. Visitors can see the cave where John is said to have received the revelation. It's called the Cave of the Apocalypse. And several monasteries on the island are dedicated to St. John. Amen? Now, at the time of John's banishment, he's around 92 years old. How many of you would like to be banished at 92 and sent to a rock island, right? The early fledgling church at this time, this is very important, was experiencing vicious persecution. Rome was an anti-Christian state that ruled the known world. The Roman government was godless, perverted, immoral, cruel, barbaric. Though they were very educated in some ways, the fullness of the fallen nature was manifested in this government. Not only was it godless, but it was infested with anti-Christian religions, fables, myths, mythologies. The Romans simply took the Greek gods and made them Roman gods and gave the Greek gods new names under Rome. And that's all they did. They switched mythologies or they switched names and stuck with the same mythology. But there was others and they were very depraved. The lunatic Emperor Nero, who was the one ruling Rome when John wrote this, had gone so far as to burn Christians in his garden as human torches. He needed light. So he dipped them in pitch and put them on stakes and lit them on fire to burn alive, to light his garden. He was a lunatic. He was demon-possessed. He was a monster. It was a time of great distress for God's people. And the revelation was delivered to bring them comfort and assurance that God was in control. I want you to keep that in mind because the church was in dire straits. Many Christians were wondering, where's God? Why is he letting this happen to us? Why doesn't he intervene? Why does Nero continue with these monstrosities with impunity? Where's the sovereign God? Where's his help? And so part of the reason for the revelation was to let the Christians know that God was still in control. Amen? The Bible records that John was spiritually translated by the Spirit of God and given a succession of visions so incredible that they have boggled the minds of thinkers throughout the ages. How many of you have ever read part of Revelation and it boggled your mind? It's like, what in the world is this? What am I reading here? All right. As we study this amazing book, here's some things we're going to see. Jesus Christ as Lord and Master of all history. History is his story. Amen. We're going to see an accurate prediction of the rise and fall of world empires. We're going to see an incredible cosmic battle between forces of light and darkness. No book in the Bible, maybe Daniel being the exception, pulls back the veil and allows us to see straight into the reality of spiritual warfare being waged mightily in the spiritual world. We're going to see... 21 terrible judgments falling on a Christ-rejecting world. The trumpet judgments, the seal judgments, the bowl judgments, 21 in all, seven apiece. We're going to see a future evil, anti-Christian, anti-Christ society set up by the most diabolical, wicked ruler to ever set foot on the world stage, the Antichrist. 
We're going to look at 666. I'm going to give you some fresh thoughts on that. We're going to watch the world descend into worldwide socialism. That's what's going to happen. There will be the establishment of a one-world economy, one-world religion, and a one-world political system. You wonder why globalism is so hot today? So many political leaders wanting globalism, wanting every nation's borders to dissolve away because they want one world and one world order. You know how many political rulers in our time, including President Biden right now, have used the phrase one world order? Do you know that John saw that coming way back when? That is amazing. We're going to see the total destruction of Antichrist and his world system. We're going to see the worst war in the history of the world. It's going to make WW2 and 1 look like playtime, the War of Armageddon. We're going to see the glorious return to Christ as the Lion of Judah. We're going to see a final brief rebellion against him. And then we're going to see the final great white throne judgment of sinners. And then we're going to see a new Jerusalem and a new world coming. Amen. So this is really, really going to be rich. Now, what I want to do is I want to go ahead and read, just go right through the first chapter, just reading it out loud. I'm going to read it, and then we're going to get into it. I'm going to unpack it, and we're going to finish at least that tonight. It says, the revelation of Jesus Christ, Revelations 1, verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified it by his angel, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all things that he saw. Verse three, blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy. Now look what the promise is. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. Everybody say, he's always been. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Can we thank God for that? And has made us kings and priests. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, you're a king and a priest. Now tell him I'm not puffing you up. I'm telling you what the blood did. Okay. Because he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Verse 7. Behold, he is coming with clouds. And every eye will see him, even they who pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Now, this is Jesus talking, all right? I, John, both your brother and companion in the tribulation and kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice, like a trumpet, saying, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. 
And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like a flame of fire. This wasn't the meek and lowly Lamb of God walking around. This is the resurrected Messiah. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. His voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars. Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. We're not going to need the sun in heaven because the light coming off of Jesus is going to light up that world. Amen? We'll get back to Pastor Jeff in a moment to close out today's program. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to share the life-changing good news of Jesus Christ in a way that gets hardwired into your life. And we trust these messages from Pastor Jeff aren't something you can only listen to and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's a priority to us. And you get to join us in this important mission. Call us at 877-884-3111 to say you're in. Or drop us a line at our website, hardwired.org. Well, here's Pastor Jeff with the rest of today's program. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, don't be afraid, I'm the first and I'm the last. I am he who was, uh, he who lives and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of death and Hades. Now write the things that you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Now that's the first chapter. Now let me just unpack it for us. The main theme of John's revelation The main theme is the certainty of Christ's second coming. That's the main theme. It's found in 1 verse 7 that we just read. Behold, he is coming with clouds. Every eye will see him, those who pierced him. All the tribes of the earth are going to mourn because of him. Even so, amen. So in verse 19, John is instructed by Jesus, write the things that you have seen and the things which are and the things which will take place after this. Now notice with me, he said past tense, present tense, future tense. Write what you have already seen, past tense, the things which are right now, present tense, and the things that are going to take place prophetically after this, future tense. That verse gives us the main key to the Revelation's purpose. The book of Revelation's purpose is to reveal things past, things present, and things future. Now, with that in mind, the first three chapters cover the things that had been and the things that were present. That's the first three chapters. When we go over the first three chapters, we're going to see the things that have already taken place, the things that are right then happening at the time that John wrote it. But the final 19 chapters deal with things to come. So the Revelation is primarily a prophetic book. Amen? 19 chapters out of 22 are prophecy. Amen. 
Another key to understanding it is the revelation is primarily chronological, with a few exceptions. It follows a steady sequence of events. One thing leads to the next, that leads to the next, and that's the way the book of Revelation lays out. So it's not hard to follow. It's hard to interpret some of what you read, but it's sequential. It's chronological. It makes sense as you just follow along. There's only a, a few exceptions. Let me give you a couple of examples. We read of Jesus being born in chapter 12, yet he's exalted in chapter 5, and he's walking in the midst of his churches in chapter 1. Well, that's not sequential. John's jumping around as God showed it to him. Another exception would be this. The beast who attacks God's two witnesses in chapter 11 isn't even brought into existence until chapter 13. So here's the deal. John simply wrote as it came to him. But most of it is chronological and easy to follow. The revelation we're going to see constantly uses the words like or as or appeared to be or something like. That's because John is grasping for ways to describe what he's seeing. I mean, folks, he's watching a Steven Spielberg movie before there was a Steven Spielberg. So he uses pictorial language through the use of uh, metaphors and similes. For instance, if we were watching an Amtrak train speed by, we'd say something like, it shot by me like a bullet. Like is a simile. Or watching a firework display, we might say, well, that skyrocket fell like a shooting star. That's a simile. You're using like or as to compare one thing to another. And John does that a lot because he doesn't know what to make of what he's seeing. So he just has to try to connect some dots and describe it to us the best he can. He's a first century man describing 21st century events. Why should we even bother to study the Revelation? Because you know, there's a lot of pastors who won't touch it. There's a lot of churches that say it's not relevant. Do you know there's even a pretty big slice of the Christian pie that claims all of it is already fulfilled. I don't know where they get that. That's impossible, but they're called preterists. Just so you get a little something extra for you. A preterist believes that the revelation has already been fulfilled and we're living in the millennium. Well, if this is a millennium, Jesus, please come back. <laughs> we should study the revelation because it's part of the Bible, amen? No story is complete without reading the last chapter and the book of Genesis tells us the beginning of all things. Book of Revelation tells us the ending of all things. It's a perfect book. The final chapter is the book of Revelation. It's the last chapter in God's book of 66 books. The Revelation is gonna give us a sense of urgency. Men need to accept Christ now because Revelation events could begin at any time. Most of all, there's 66 books in our Bible, but only one of them promises a special blessing if you read it and study it and live according to what it says. And that's the book of Revelation. So did you know that by coming here tonight or watching online, following me, that you're gonna get a special blessing? God promised it. How many of you want a special blessing? I'm just telling you what it says. Let me read it to you. Again, God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy in, uh, to the church. And he blesses all who listen to its message and obey what it says, for the time is near. So there you go. So 
Let's begin. All right? Revelations 1.1. This is a revelation from who, everybody? Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation to his servant, John. Now notice, he said, this is a revelation. Now the Greek word, the revelation is translated out of is apocalypsis. We get apocalypse from apocalypsis. But the Greek for apocalypse is not at all the same as what it is in English. Because when we say the apocalypse in English, we mean total destruction, chaos, you know, nuclear bombs, the ruination of the world. You know, the apocalypse is coming. But that is not what apocalypsis means in the Greek language. It means to bring to light what has previously been unknown because it was hidden. So we're getting to read something that the Old Testament saints would have given anything to see, anything to read, but it was hidden. It was only brought to light post-crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The book of Revelation is not John's revelation, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon come to pass. So what God is doing in the revelation is he's bringing out of hiding or out of cover things that had never been revealed before. So we are really, really blessed tonight to be able to read this and study it. Amen? Given to show his servants from the early church all the way up to us, things which must shortly take place. Now, people have read that and they go, wait a minute. He wrote that in the first century. We're in the 21st century. He said those things would shortly take place. So how can it be? He said shortly, and we're 20 centuries down the road. How can that be? Because shortly take place is a Greek expression, meaning a rapidity of execution once it starts. Once these events begin, like I told you, they happen chronologically, sequentially, like dominoes falling one after another. So they happen with, with rapidity, rapidly, after they begin. And so that's what that means. John lets us know that the initial target audience of the letter is the seven churches existing at the time of the writing. He calls them the seven churches in the province of Asia. He blesses them. He says, grace and peace to you from the one who is and who always was and who is still to come from the sevenfold spirit before the throne. Now, what is the sevenfold spirit? I thought there was just one Holy Spirit. What does that mean? The seven spirits that John references are seven different manifestations or attributes that flow from God's majesty to the Messiah. We find them in Isaiah 11, one and two. Listen to it. Out of the stump of David's family will grow a shoot. Yes, a new branch. Notice up there, capital B, branch. So this is talking about deity. Out of David's family will come a deity bearing fruit from the old root. Now listen to the, the manifestation of the spirit and the spirit of the Lord, that's one, will rest on him. Spirit of wisdom, that's two. Spirit of understanding, that's three. Spirit of counsel, that's four. Spirit of might, that's five. Spirit of knowledge, that's six. And the fear of the Lord, that's seven. That's the sevenfold manifestations of the Spirit of God. 
Next, John describes in verse 7 the second coming of Christ at the end of the ages. Behold, he is coming. I can't read this enough. Can, can we just say that together? Behold, he is coming. Don't ever, ever let that go. Behold, he is coming with the clouds. Amen. And every eye will see him. Even those who pierced him. That means the Jewish people. And all the tribes of the earth will gaze upon him and beat their breasts and mourn and lament over him. Even so must it be, amen, so be it. You've been listening to Hardwired with Pastor Jeff Wickwire. It would mean the world to us to know how the program has helped you today. So take a quick minute and give us a call, 877-884-3111. Or you can connect with us at our website, hardwired.org. And if you enjoy the program as much as we love bringing it to you, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. There are daily costs associated with the program, and we truly do depend on the faithful financial support of our listeners like you to allow us to be on this station. So please consider partnering with us today with your gifts to this ministry. You can call us at 877-884-3111 or go to the website hardwired.org. Again, call 877-884-3111 or at our website, hardwired.org. Thank you for your loyal partnership as we couldn't do this without you. And finally, Pastor Jeff is the founder and senior pastor of the vibrant Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. If you're ever in the area, we hope you'll stop by and say hi. And let us know that you listen to the program. That would really make our day. And Pastor Jeff would love to meet you personally too. So till next time, have a great day. And thanks so much for listening to Hardwired.